come this last Sunday of 2019 to set our hearts before the Lord. And uh, we know that every, every service, every time we gather, is significant and important. So we, we place the proper significance on this service today, knowing that it's life-altering and life-changing. Amen? That each time we come before the Lord, we have that opportunity to enter in to a new realm of understanding and wisdom a new realm of revelation of who the Lord really is to us. So let's just lift our hands to the Lord. And we just set ourselves this morning, Father, for your word to speak to our hearts. Lord, let it be released in the heavens. Let it be released in the earth. And we just release the glory this morning in the house of the Lord. That that Shekinah weight of presence that comes into the midst of us. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Well, this morning, you know, we, we have to remind ourselves that we're setting the stage for 2020. Every time we come to the last, the last Sabbath of the year, it's always a time to declare the new year. Of course, we do that in September, October, when we have the Feast of Trumpets, which is really the true biblical calendar. But we in the Western civilization observe this time as a new time. And it's always important to realize that God doesn't limit the new time just to this time. Because the new time is a constantly unfolding that God has set before us. And it's kind of nice to wake up every day realizing that this could be a new day for my life. How many like that idea? Amen. You know, I was reminded this morning, isn't, someone said, isn't, isn't it exciting to wake up with the sunshine and to wake up to a, a bright Sunday morning? And it took me a moment because at first my heart wasn't filled with any particular gratitude because of the weather. But then I took a moment to look around and realized, sure, I am excited because it's the breaking of a new day. It's the dawning of a new day. And that's how the kingdom comes. The kingdom comes in increments. We know that. A little bit here and a little bit there. Kind of wish God had given it to us all at once. But he chose to, to meet it out to us because he knows that in the progression of growth that as a child or baby, we're only able to handle certain food. And as we grow older, our appetite increases, or it should, and our hunger increases. Because both appetite and hunger then serve as propellant for growth. Growth then has in mind a conclusion. Because in the process of growing from a babe in Christ to fully mature in the Lord, there's a purpose and a conclusion in that happening for our life. And so I'm declaring to you this morning that you are a people that are maturing into the measure of the stature of the fullness that's in Christ. Now you may think, well, I, I don't think so. Look at me, look at my responses and reactions and look what I've been or done. But really, you don't look at yourself the way God looks at you. So God is so objective in his viewpoint towards you that he's able to see not only where you're at now, but he's also able to see and to project where you're gonna be at tomorrow. Amen? 
the Lord literally knows everything that was, everything that is, and everything that shall be. So I appreciate the Lord for that reason, (laughs) because he doesn't look at my own perception of my growth. And usually we we're gonna do one of two things about our perception. We're either gonna overestimate or underestimate. Does that make sense? You're gonna overestimate or underestimate. But I, I would say that most of us underestimate where we're at in Christ. Because see, it's not based upon what your mind has concluded that you've become. Because the mind can be very deceptive when it comes to what it, proceeds. And so if we rely upon the conclusion of the mind or what the mind has settled upon, we're oftentimes deceived. So we can't look at the mind to be the gauge or the judge of what we've become. We have to, we have to find the mind of Christ and let him speak to us on who we are. You know, the father even said this about his own son. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. But I'm sure there's instances in Jesus' journey that he went through in his life that that in his natural mind, he could have very well questioned who he really was. In fact, he even came back at times for confirmation. He said, who do men say that I am? Will you confirm to me what already has been revealed to me from heaven. And that's part of our journey as well, isn't it? Because not only are we hearing a voice from heaven that says, this is who you are. You are my sons and daughters. But we also hear voices from our fellow pilgrims affirming our identity. That's what prophecy is all about, isn't it? Prophesy is to edify. To edify means to lift someone up with validation. To affirm to them who God has said they are. That's to edify someone, isn't it? Oftentimes we, 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 we take prophecy to a lower level, which is a lower level I would call a level of where we try to direct or we tried to point. But the highest level is when we, can, when we can come and reinforce the maker's plan and vision for the people that he's creating. See, the Lord needs our help in that we become his voice, his mouthpiece to speak a prophetic word to our brothers and sisters to edify them, to strengthen them, to comfort them, to console them. Because the, the, the onslaught of the negativity is so great in the world and even in the Christian world that in order to overcome that, God simply pours out a bountiful affirmation to us. And in First Peter, we're gonna go there this morning. I wanna read some of that to you uh, in chapter two. But let me go back quickly to Chronicles and bring out, we know this famous prayer. In Chronicles, Jabez called on the God of Israel. See, there there comes a point that you must call upon him. 
You know, the scripture says, if you call upon him, he will answer you and he will show you great and mighty things. Everybody say, this is the year of great and mighty things. Amen. Now, what came to your mind the moment you said that? This is a year of a great and mighty thing. Well, what in your mind is something great and what is mighty? Well, I'm sure that we could get a myriad of opinion because each one of you would have a certain anticipation of what's great and what's mighty. But I have a feeling that what God has in mind for you is greater and mightier than you realize. Because it's not simply some manifestation that comes from heaven to reveal something to you, but it's something that God wants to reveal through you, heaven through you during 2020. Everybody say, heaven in me in 2020. So Jabez said, called on the Lord saying that you would bless me indeed. Everybody say, bless me indeed. Enlarge my territory. Everybody say, enlarge my territory. That your hand would be with me that you would keep me from evil and that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. So how many believe the prayer of Jabez applies to you? Lift your hand up and say, Lord bless me. Enlarge my territory. Keep your hand with me. Keep me from evil. And let me not cause pain to anyone else. Amen. You know, I would, simp- I would go as far as to say I'd just take that last part <laughs> because it seemed like those other parts come a lot easier than that last part. It's easy to cause pain. Lord, forgive me for causing any pain. Let, let there be a, not only a, a fear of forgiving me, but Lord, I'm preempting that. And if there's any future pain, forgive me for that as well. So we, we look to this, this promise of the Lord And we understand that during this time, during this process, that how God is creating a people by his word. Did you know that the world was framed by the word of God? If if it's good enough for the world, it ought to be good enough for me, for you. That God literally frames your life by the word that he speaks. That's why it's so important to become a student of the Word of God, not just, not just uh, the Word that someone else is speak, but the Word that God speaks to you. One of the things that I've learned is that, that every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God will not return void to him. So it, God does the work. All I have to do is become the recipient Amen. God does the work and we become the recipients. But the purpose of receiving is not simply to hold it in your hand, but it's to become it. Because everything that God speaks has an intention of creation. He's creating a people upon the earth right now that will show forth his praises. He's creating a people that will never deviate from the path that's set before them. He's creating a people that love the the Lord above their own lives. He's creating a generation that that is so 
different than the generation that the world is presenting to us. We live in one of the most corrupt, sensual, evil, deceptive times known to man. Granted, it's the most blessed, prosperous time known to man. But in the last few decades, our whole world has turned upside down because what we once called light is now dark. What we once called dark is now called light. What we once called truth is now called deception. What we once called deception, you see, it's, it's the, the backwards thing that, that we're seeing in the world that we live in. So if we look at the world and look at it through analytical eyes, we would become very critical of what we see. But if we look at what God is doing, we're gonna see something entirely different. We're gonna see that where sin did abound, grace will much more abound. We're gonna see where deception seems to be ruling the day, truth will prevail. Hallelujah. We're gonna see where the, the things that have been sent to destroy us, actually God's saying, I'm gonna take all of those things and I'm gonna turn it to your benefit. We're gonna see where the tail shall become the head. Hallelujah. So we, we can look at the world and lament or we can look at the world and rejoice knowing that God has set the stage for something incredible to be manifested in this hour. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes. You can look at the future and, and be confused by it until you realize that, that the Lord is in charge and he's led us and he will lead us every step of the way. Hallelujah. Wow. Lord, let it come. You know, in Peter, it's, I love this scripture because it uh, speaks about how God creates. And verse four of chapter two, 1 Peter, coming to him as a living stone rejected indeed by men, chosen by God, and precious. Everybody say, God is precious. So Christ became the first stone, right? He also became the first son. Now, becoming the first anything, the significance of it is it means that there's more to come, right? You could say, well, he became the only stone or the only son, but that's not what the scripture says. The scripture said he became the first son. He became the first stone. And because he became the, the first stone, then he was the chief stone. Because the first stone that's hewn out of the mountain is the chief stone. Because that's the stone that everything else is built on. Everything else is measured by. So when we look for a standard, we don't pull a standard from the air and say, well, I think it works this way. And, or maybe, no, maybe it works that way. And someone else comes along and says, no, it works this way. But we understand that when Christ becomes the chief stone to us, then there's only one way, there's only one direction, there's only one diagram, there's only one purpose, there's only one. Here, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. He's the way, he's the truth, 
He's alive. You know why the world is so fouled up right now? It's because they're trying to find the way, the truth, and the life by their own standard. That's why there's, the, there's a diametric oppose, opposition. The world opposes the spirit because the world makes up their own rules as they go along. <laughs> I, I think that's the root of all fallacy, isn't it? To say, I can make up my rules as I go along. No, there's only one rule. There's only one Lord. There's only one faith. His name is Jesus. He is the stone that was cut out of the mountain by the Father's hand. Hallelujah. No, water. He's the stone. <laughs> Some people are from the Stone Age. They don't catch on there. The... Um, He's the stone that's cut out of the mountain, this, this living stone that men rejected. He that came into the world, the Bible says in John, dwelt among us, but they rejected him. It's, it's almost phenomenal to think how that society as a whole rejected the Son of God. I mean, even to the very core of his relationships, they rejected him. You know, you'll always find out who's really with you when you go to the cross. Because when you go to the cross, I guess the water got lost. When you go to the cross, <laughs> maybe it's a dry well. <laughs> When you go to the cross, you always find out who your friends are. It's easy to be friends with someone when you're not on the cross, but when you go to the cross, then you find out who are my mothers? Who are the mothers? Who are the fathers? Who are the sons? Who are the daughters? So this is my mother talking about Mary. This is the one. This living stone that it says in verse five, you also are living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. Did you have to go to the 7-Eleven? Yeah. <laughs> I am the living water. Now to my belly, This shall flow. <laughs> Hallelujah. So you're a living stone. Everybody say, I'm a living stone. Hit someone like they're a stone. No, I'm just kidding. And uh, so you're being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You know, actually God's building you up to be two things. He's building up you to become a priesthood and he's building you up to become a king. Isn't that kind of cool? I mean, wow. God is building you, making you to be a priest. I don't know where you came from, where I came from. We always kind of held priests in honor. You know, oh, forgive me, Father, for 
I've sinned. <laughs> I mean, priest was like, you know, our image of them has kind of grown wane over the years. But at one time, priests or men that wore a collar or men that carried the Bible and stood in a pulpit, we, we held them in high esteem, didn't we? Because we thought that, well, they have attained to a, a relationship to God that yet us mere humans haven't retained to, attained to yet. But we understand that it's not limited to a few men that wear a cloth or a collar or, or a robe or stand behind a pulpit. But God said he's making us a kingdom of priests under the Lord. And you know what the priests do? They, they, they have two responsibilities. They have a responsibility of connecting to the divine divinity of God and relationship with him to where they have an intimate knowledge themselves of him, then they also have the responsibility of being able to translate and communicate that and connect others to the same one they're connected to. So a priest connects and he connects others. A priest never lives separated from the people as we see in much of a religion, but the priest is part of who we are. All of us are priests under the Lord. We, the building that we're in or the congregation that we have that we call a certain name is not the church. We're the church. Each one of us are the temple, the church, the abiding place, the dwelling of God. And God wants to live and express himself through each one of us. And the only purpose that we have in coming together besides the fellowship that we enjoy and the worship that we give to the Lord is establishing in our hearts who we really are so that the world may know us, not by what we identify with, that we're part of this church or that church or this organization or not part of an organization. They don't see us in that context. They see us in the context that we have become a living stone. We become a living expression of this Christ to the earth. Amen. And so I trust that wherever you go, some of you are sitting in places I've never seen before. Where, where, wherever you go, none of this group on the first two rows, except Carla, yeah, ever sits there. I'm getting confused. It's a brand new day. Some would even be spiritual to say it's a revival. If some people you get on the front row after 50 years, you think it must be revival. Hallelujah. All the signs are pointing that God is moving in a way we've never seen before. Hallelujah. Woo. If I do two 30-minute services in a row, you'll probably say that's another sign. <laughs> Behold, the Lord said, I'll do a quick new thing upon the earth. <laughs> Will you not see it? Will you not believe Hallelujah. So God is making us to be kings and priests because the priest receives and the priest blesses. Hallelujah. Wow. You know, you can get, you could stop right now. You could stop all the input right now and just dwell on the input you've already received and it would be more than enough. Sometimes we just don't receive it the right way. You can't receive it casually. You can't receive it flippantly. You can't receive it with opinions of your own to interpret it. 
But when you receive it, as the Lord said, the Lord says, receive the word, eat the word, be satisfied with the word. When that word becomes flesh and dwells among you, among us and becomes you, or an expression of it. Wow, you've got more to give than you you've dreamed possible. The word that comes by God comes by the spirit and it comes by the word and the, the dunamis, the energy that's upon that is incredible. More than you can imagine. What God has placed in you by the spirit and by the word that he wants to explode out of you and reveal through you. Amen. So Lord, we take our eyes off of all this stuff. We close our ears to all the chatter. We become immune to all the disturbances. And we say, Lord, this is you in me. This is what can happen in my life. So you're walking in your everyday walk at your job or at your school, wherever you're, and all of a sudden you begin to realize, I am a priest. Wow, I've received from the Lord because I ate of that word. Now I'm ready to release it. And you see someone, I forgive you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I restore you. I heal you. I bless you. I've been praying that that you be blessed, that you your tent be enlarged. I'm praying that you would have his hand on you, that the face of God would shine upon you. I'm praying that for you this year. Hallelujah. You become a priest. Everybody say, I'm a priest. And I didn't know it. And kings, the king then, the kingly anointing that comes is this anointing of authority that God gives you. You you realize that, that you don't have to be afraid of the things that lurk in the night. Like I was the other day. Bought a little gag Christmas gift for my grandchildren because I want them to keep thinking that they're real small, even though they're getting real large <laughs> and taller and bigger and smarter. And I always said that my grandchildren, when they get a certain age, they finally have a brain. I think it's about 10. You realize they have a brain. And then you have to start treating them a little differently. And uh, so I, I, I thought, well, I'm going to buy them a Toy Story. We all went to see Toy Story last year when we were in Redosa. That's a nice family vacation. And I loved Toy Story. I was just crying at the end because no more Woody. You know. And what's the girl's name? Huh? No more Jesse? And uh, the last Toy Story. Now, don't, don't be so stupid if you're here this morning to admit that you haven't seen Toy Story. But if you haven't seen it, go see it. Toy Story will transform your life. <laughs> in fact, it's the next translation in the Passion Bible they're going to release. The, the Toy Story. Hallelujah. <laughs> now I'm messed up. And I, and I guarantee it's not my fault, it's yours. You gave him a present. 
Yes, I gave them a present, right. And so I, I looked online and I say, I found this, I found this Buzz Lightyear. Oh, we're gonna miss Buzz. I found this Buzz Lightyear and uh, I, I'm trying to act like Darren when he preaches now. And I found this uh, dinosaur, the dinosaur. What was the dinosaur's name? Rex. Rex. I'm so ferocious. Anyway, so I found, I found Rex and I found Buzz and they, they looked about like this tall and I found a Woody and he, he looked and I found a, what's that other one? Bo Peep. Oh, I'm gonna miss you, Bo Peep. I, I found Bo Peep. I will, I'll stop now. I found Bo Peep. And so I ordered all four of them and I'm gonna give them to each one and, and then I go out in the porch, there's these two huge boxes and I, my eyes grew weird, wide. Wow, what's this? You know, someone sent me a gift. I, hadn't, I didn't order anything in a big box. So I open this thing up, and Buzz Lightyear's standing next to me. And he's taller than some of you. I mean, and then I open up, and I got Rex standing on the other side. Huge. And I'm thinking, boy, I'm going to create a schism in the grandchildren because the ones that get the big ones, <laughs> they're going to feel like they got something better than the ones that got the small ones. But you know how it works. And um, so they're in the living room there and we've left them under the mantle and the kids are coming over to do the, their gingerbread houses. Did anybody ever do that, the gingerbread deal? They, Sue gets these gingerbread houses and then the kids uh, decorate them. And then we, one through four, and we vote, and then I, I'm, I'm the bank, of course, and I have to give out the money, $10 to the winner and $5 to the second place, third place, fourth place. And by the way, this year, um, Nadia won. Samuels didn't win because Samuels was a little bit gross. And uh, <laughs> you know how boys are. And we bless you. <laughs> it's, by the way, it's good to have Samuel here. Uh, he'll be here, I think, one more week. Then he has to go back to the North Atlantic, North Pole called Ashland, Wisconsin to resume his, his education. Amen. What? Well, I know where I'm at. You don't have to remind me. I mean, some people think I'm old. I was in Korea. I was in Korea. <laughs> I was in Korea years ago. Four, <laughs> three years ago. And Esther. Esther. <laughs> and this other girl were escorting me through Seoul. We were walking through Seoul. I don't know where we're at in Seoul, somewhere in Seoul. And uh, they both had their, their hand on my elbow, and I'm kind of walking along like this, you know. And I, I look at them, I said, Esther, why, why are y'all holding on to me so much like this, walking down the street? I mean, it was kind of complimentary, you know. Two young ladies walking, holding your arms, going down the street. And, but I'm kind of, it's kind of weird, too. And I said, What's, why, why are you holding? Well, Papa. We didn't want you to fall down and hurt yourself. And so I knew right then that I was a man of faith because I'd never looked at myself in that way. I mean, I, I look at myself as this giant killer, this mighty warrior of God. And they were saying, this old man is about to fall down in the street. 
Anyway, so we put these Buzz Lightyear and Rex there in the living room, and, and they're all coming over the next day to do their gingerbread houses, which Samuel's, we won't show the picture. And uh, <laughs> I kind of thought it was cool, Samuel. It, it did kind of gross everyone else out. But I, I kind of identified with it. And then, <laughs> and then <laughs> Sue says, take them into the bedroom and put them there so that, that the kids won't see them. So I carried Rex and, and uh, Buzz into the bedroom, put them there. But then it kind of come time for bed. And I turned the light out, going to the bed, and all of a sudden, hmm, no, is that going to work? Went back and got Buzz and Rex and took them out and put them in the other room. <laughs> Those things were scary looking. Three foot tall, they're standing. I'm thinking, if I get up in the middle of the night and I turn it out and they're standing right in front of me, they could be taking me to Austin Heart Hospital. <laughs> Hallelujah. So anyway, we finally, I've got, I'm glad they're out of my house. <laughs> we, we bless you with them in the name of the Lord. <laughs> uh, Samuel, are you going to ship yours to uh, Ashland? Okay. Hallelujah. The Lord is good, isn't he? Yeah. Woo. Must mean it's time. And we're going to look quickly over Numbers chapter 6. <laughs> I, I, some of you are too quick to confirm things. <laughs> Numbers chapter 6, verse 24. We know the, 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 uh, the blessing of Aaron. And we love this blessing. I used to listen to this back in the 70s. I'd, in the mornings, I'd oftentimes turn on Christian TV on Sunday before I went to preach because I never knew what I was going to preach, so I tried to find a message. <laughs> Not really. Uh, but I'd always listen to the guy from the Crystal Cathedral, Dr. Schuler, and he'd always read this blessing in every service, and his voice was so wonderful. Started out in a drive-in in Van Nuys, California. His church. People would come to the drive-in and they put their speaker in their window. And he would he would broadcast down from the main the main little deal. And uh, where they had the snack bar and the people's speaker. And so no one wanted, everybody drove up to the there anonymously. They could be anonymous, they could stay anonymous, and they could leave anonymous. So there, thus was born the seeker-friendly church. <laughs> Amen. Just be a Mr. Anonymous. Plug your speaker in. Some of you may prefer that. We could, we could maybe start what we call the anonymous group. And you could, we could put you up in the upstairs, and you could have a microphone in your ear. We'd never see you. You'd come, you'd come late and leave early. <laughs> Make sure you tithe. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So he would, every week he would speak this prayer because there was something in speaking the release of the prayer of the Lord over our lives that can transform us. How many say words matter? So let's read this in Numbers chapter six. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. 
And Lord, let the Lord be gracious to you. I love the gracious part, don't you? This, the, the great favor, the Lord said, let his favor, let his blessing be upon your life. I want you to go through this year anticipating the favor of God. And we always talked about in the past, and I did some illustration messages back then on this, and I'm not gonna repeat this morning, but called run me down, chase me down, knock me down, blessings. <laughs> Everybody say, I want some run me down, chase me down, and knock me down, blessings. Amen. The Lord wants to be gracious. He wants to pour out grace, grace upon you. And then we cried grace to it because we know that the grace of God that's been extended to our life. Amen. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. You see, the countenance of God when it's on you, when the presence of the Lord is with you, you literally put yourself in a place that creates something in you that establishes you to the point you cannot be destroyed. Because, you know, we in our own selves may be very weak and very susceptible to being destroyed. But when the presence is with us, there's something that comes that will not let us be destroyed. It's the immunity of God that literally clothes us. It's called glory. Hallelujah. And the glory of the Lord will rise upon you. He will rest his face and press his face against you to reveal himself to you. And when that, that glory emanates from him to you, it makes you different than who you really think you are. There's nothing like the glory, is there? You're part of God's plan upon the earth. You're part of his completion. And may the Lord give you peace. And quickly back over to Peter. I'll read that to you. Verse five, you also are living stones being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion, a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. And he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. But now this is a scripture for you this morning and I wanna leave with you. But you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Are you smiling yet? Amen. Let's try it again and see if we can elicit a smile from all of us. Amen. You're a chosen generation. <laughs> Amen. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. His own special people. Wow. Think about it. If you're a special person, that means that how many know people in your life you would call special? 
So what do you know about them if you call them special? You know their name, you know their history, you know their desires for the future, you know their present state, you know where they live, you know their phone number. If anything happens to them, it's like it happening to you because that you've called them your special people. Everything they go through, it tends to you also go through it too. And that's the way God intends for him to know you. You are a special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now this is the kicker, verse 10. Who were once not a people, but now are the people of God who had obtained mercy, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained the mercy of the Lord. Amen. Amen. So let it be. Let it be a, a year that you say, Lord, I am, we are your people. We have obtained your mercy. We've obtained your heart. We've obtained your will. We've obtained your purpose. We've obtained our destiny in you. Amen? Let's all stand up this morning together.